Hi, I'm Bryce. And I'm Jimmy. We are telecom and creative professionals. We're also fans of podcasting as our respective careers give us an abundance of windshield time. While there is a podcast for just about any obscure topic you can think of, there was no regular podcast pertaining to Montana politics. That is why with our combined powers, we are Montana Voices Podcast. We strive to be an independent voice for all issues pertaining to Montanans and Montana politics. We also strive to be very forthcoming with our personal biases as we attempt to see beyond them. Montana Voices Podcast does not operate in a vacuum. We need your support. Whether that be listening to our cast, providing us feedback, sending us conversation topics, sharing our content, or providing financial support. We look forward to a long career in podcasting with your added assistance. Well, let's go ahead and start things off with a little bit of business here. Probably already listening to this at our website, but if not, our website is going to be montanavoicespodcast.com. You can reach us for any kind of questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be on the podcast by hitting us up at our Gmail account, which is going to be montanavoices at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, which is going to be at Montana underscore voices. Our Facebook account is at Montana Voices Podcast. And you can find all of our podcasts on YouTube by searching Montana Voices Podcast. And that YouTube does have the best quality B-roll I have seen uh, anywhere, pretty much, I know, because... I'm usually the one that takes that. So welcome to episode 32 of Montana Voices Podcast. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here. Well, let's first let's do a rehash of our old issues here. Um, things we discussed, a bit, I believe, about a week ago. Uh, City of Billings is paying legal fees. Uh, that was that whole uh, evidence room um, sex thing that was going on. Danes, oh, yeah. uh, was, he, <laughs> Danes was batting hard for Trump. Uh, and he still is. He's um, he's doubled down on it on on Twitter and every platform he can he can, he can go on that he is uh, voting to acquit, which is uh, weird because he's not in the Senate. But um, Tester is uh, taking a stand on the War Powers thing. I thought he was Congress. Or am I getting mixed no, up? Here? Senator Danes, you're thinking of Greg the Body. All right, okay, he does get a vote on it, but we know how he's going to vote. Yeah, well, which he's been pretty clear on that. So, yeah, he's been very upfront. No uh, mysteries. Yeah, maybe Unless some. Unless he comes in with a plot twist here at the end, you never know. Yeah, there could be a coup here, but I doubt it. So, yeah, well, you know, there's uh, there's no emails here. Yeah, Bleachbit did did well. So Hester uh, has taken a stand on the war powers thing, kind of just in taking a stand only, just making a statement, putting his fist in the air. We uh, uh, looking over his glasses. Yep, uh, that. Uh, you know, bifocals exist, Mr. Tester. Uh, I'm sure they have a good obstetrician over there in Helena that can get you taken care of. Or even a Big Sandy. I'll have to, I wonder if there is one over there. Be a, I would hope that he would go to the guy in Big Sandy over the guy in Helena. <laughs> that's true. That that has been an election breaker in previous years. You know, uh, the guy getting the $100 haircut in Washington, D.C. I think that was Tester. He was like, well, I get my haircut in Big Sandy. And I, yeah, I don't think there's were, a salon there. I remember specifically there were haircut ads uh, back during the running. Tester had the flat top haircut from the military style, you know, and they did, dug into that one a bit. I, remember, I think it was Conrad Burns. Ah, good old Connie. But did Tester serve? I, I can't recall his, his record on that. I don't think so. He, um, well, you know, he lost the hand, so I, don't, I think they kind of... Oh, kicks him point. out of the running there, but 
I mean, they, they wouldn't have... let me in for mild asthma that I've never needed an inhaler for. So, Well, you know, bone spurs, I can imagine if you have like a lack of bone completely, that is the same as a bone spur, so probably keeps you out. Uh, but as you can see, though, the man still loves his country, so he kept the haircut. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Drew Carey um, look. <laughs> I just thought, uh, you know, Con- Conrad Burns there. I wonder, they should have ran Comrade Burns. That would have just gotten under the guy's skin, I have a feeling. Oh, man, he would have lost his mind. <laughs> just, we'll have to maybe research what Conrad Burns is doing nowadays. Uh, should, is he alive still? Uh, he, he would have to be pretty old. He's in the 80s or so. I haven't heard well, of him I'm, dying. I'm sure he is. Like, that would have been big news if he went because he was senator for like a long ass time wasn't he yes a uh a long time and you know he had a legacy um he was the uh he had a spittoon on the uh the floor and he was the only non-college educated senator at the time that's pretty uh cool because i'm sure they were all dicks to him about that and he's up there telling him and all get it you know we do things different in montana well we yeah, talked about yeah, the tribal radio years old here 81, but still alive. You know. And it looks like he did end up uh, going to University of Missouri. Missouri? That's a long way from Montana. Yeah, I don't know why he'd uh, go all the way out there. We have colleges here, you know. Good colleges, I might add. Well, we talked about tribal radio and how it's never going to be the same, and the uh, Northern Indians are never going to be the same because Big Mike died. Uh, um, big, Big loss over there. And the uh, war on coal being over, because uh, we lost, there is less coal now. And uh, last issue we talked about was the only two shelters on the Fort Peck Reservation are closed due to meth contamination. And a quick update on that, they are are still closed and working through those issues. There's a lack of funding, as there often is with these things. Well, let's hope that they can get through that a little bit sooner here. Yeah, this is not the time to be without those resources, but... And well, let's just jump right into our new news here, because it's been an exciting week. Uh, I mean, we'll try to stay out of it, because we try to stay in Montana, but of course impeachments and other bombshells abound. But uh, Missoula Commissioners, and this has picked up more steam since we put it on the docket here, uh, wants to bring trains back, specifically from Portland, Seattle, and I think Chicago was also mentioned, because Missoula needs more Portland and Seattle here. Oh yeah, that's um, exactly what we need is just a nonstop route between those, you know, treasure troves to, to our own personal treasure trove. It would be great. Uh, is that sarcasm, Bryce? Is <laughs> uh, slight. Like I th- I think it would be very beneficial in a lot of ways, but at the same time, like yeah, I'm throwing a little bit of shade. Like yeah, we're gonna get some riffraff on this, and uh, uh, that's okay. And Missoula has uh, we have our share of riffraff here. Um, yeah, keep Portland weird, keep Missoula weird, you know. But uh, our own keep, weird, not not their keep weird. Missoula wild, isn't it? Yeah, uh, no, I think it was weird, but Portland weird, I think, can stay in Portland. It's, Portland's its own thing. Yeah, we don't need to mix there. the two really. So that was David Strohmeyer. Seafood. Yeah, yeah, there was uh, the one advocating for that, and it's picked up steam, and it almost makes sense. There's hasn't been a nonstop route what, since the 70s coming here. But I would love to see passenger rail, especially for some of the Bitterroot areas. There's a nice train track that goes right from, you know, all the way up from Hamilton, and it keeps on going from there. But that is an area that I think could benefit from even short-term, you know, rail service on that because there is a crap ton of people that do that commute. And 
seems like a, a brutal one to commute an hour every day into Missoula, but it's what they have to do to be able to afford living near Missoula, I guess. Those yeah, those property prices, my goodness. But you know, I figured that we would see more rail travel overall in today's world, but it really has died out. I think overall that's probably because uh, BNSF needs that rail open at all times to get them deliveries in. But so you know, Amtrak it's pushed to the side. I mean, uh, I'm sure they can stop and you know between eight and nine for a passenger train to go through, and that's. Not exclusive, because uh, BNSF runs them really tight. I've been on an Amtrak once in my life, and I just remember uh, pulling off and then slowing down, and then within seconds, a train was going the other direction right when we came into the turnoff. So that is how tightly they they time those things. I don't see why it can't be the same there. Oh, it is for BNSF as well. That's why they uh, need as much time on that rail as possible, and so I think that they... I'm not sure who owns the rail overall between the, the groups there, or if Amtrak even owns any rail. They do, but it's back east, uh, near Washington, D.C., that is. So, oh. And I think that's the only routes they, they own of actual trail. Everywhere else, they lease they lease time from usually BNSF or whoever is the owner. Uh, but around here, it's BNSF. I've, well, or Montana Rail Link, the underdog there. Yeah, and I'll, they probably have the, those contracts, but at the same time, any contract that Rail Link has with them, I could see them having a clause of, like, if there's a uh, oil car coming through, like, you're sitting. Yeah, a single. Well, they are, the trains do run on time, or at least the all the ones I did. If you aren't on in the exact moment, they're, they're leaving. They're waiting for no one. Well, so. you know, maybe that'll be the future. Expensive ventures. I don't know what they'd have to build their own tracks or, or what they're thinking or leasing from BNSF. It seems like it'd be a, another good subsidy for them. Yeah, I'm excited. That'd be cool to see, though. I'd, I'd take one to Seattle. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, a straight track to Seattle and the trains. I think Amtrak tops off at about eighty, unless you get in the one high speed route they have. That's also back east on their own rail, but yeah. But 80, just straight all the way through, that could be a... And it's a scenic trip, so I, I don't see why that's not a thing. Oh, yeah. And something like that, that'd be fun to take the kids on. They can, you know, terrorize everybody else on the car with you. We should do it. Absolutely. And trains are big enough. Can we have a family car? Just our own car? Maybe yeah, a little kitchenette in there? That'd I'll, be... I'll bet you they got something like that. Let's move on to our next item. Our legislature is not in session, but they did have a impromptu se- session, uh, not a session where they, well, not an emergency session, but they got together in Helena to discuss a number of things, including the possibility of going annual, which uh, I believe requires a constitutional amendment. But of course, they're the legislature, so they can could conceivably do that if they agreed on it. But so far, we're, we're sticking to biannual, and we're one of the few states that does that. Everybody else gets together yearly. I see. Uh, yeah, I think we should keep things the way they are there. A little conservative in that regard. You know, I'm I sort of split on it. I mean, you elect these people for four years, and they meet twice in that time. And the first year they're in, or the first session they're in, they spend most of that time learning how to be a legislature. There's um, a lot of materials and a lot of things to learn as far as procedures and everything. But they come in... Aren't they doing of- stuff in between that at all, or are they... Well, the idea is a citizen's legislature. Uh, I think it was more geared for farmers back when that was the occupation. 
So you took a, a couple months off from farming to come in and uh, do your legislative duties, and then go back to Forsyth or wherever and feed those cows. But that's that's changed, and that does allow, even with the seemingly comparatively low demand for time that we have compared to other states, it you're still only getting people in the uh, usually the you know, upper middle class or the one percent because who else can afford to take two months off of work to go do something that comparatively doesn't pay that good? What was it a hundred fifty grand or something? It's quite a lot. Oh, well. If you can make a job out of it, but we'll, um, nothing much came from that. So it sounds like there's not the steam behind it to go annual. And, you know, would you vote to work more? I mean, only if I was getting paid even more. Well, they'll be sure to vote on that at some point. So, well, let's, uh, transition to the wolves again. Oh boy. Again. Yeah. It seems like a consistent topic on, on this cast and anything Montana, really. There's a, very ardent people on both sides, obviously. But apparently we pay quite a bit for livestock kills. If uh, you have livestock that get killed by a wolf, uh, it, you get compensated. The average is $247 per kill, but Montana paid out uh, $247,000. <laughs> we, we exceeded our budget on that, and it's likely to increase next year. So I can... Which is an interesting thing that, that we pay for that. I mean, doesn't typically insurance handle that, or it would in most cases, I think? Or Yeah, you know, we should have a system like this, but instead of, like, uh, paying for wolves, it pays for, like, cancer treatments or something. Well, that's... <laughs> that's a good point. I mean... You know, just saying. Isn't just it the saying. same as crop insurance? Uh, this had to have been a concession when we we brought the wolves in because you know there was a lot of people very much opposed to that bringing the wolves back and they still are so i i can see that being a thing that we had to give them something to volunteer to pay for livestock or something but i I thought that you know for the longest time i thought that farmers were allowed to just shoot them if they saw them like uh attacking their livestock but apparently that's not the case is it not the case you're allowed to hunt wolves yeah well i thought you needed a license even for that like for specific hunts we need to get a hunter on here to, to like set us straight on this shit jim you're you're absolutely right and there's somebody i have in mind that i've been meaning to have on the cast who is a uh very much in support of hunting wolves and i i had a long conversation with him and i mentioned uh, we had talked about him hunting wolves of which he's bagged a number of them I was like, but how can you eat a wolf? It has like hooves and stuff. That just doesn't seem right. And then he, he looked oh, at me like I I was from you know New York or something. You <laughs> were like, you aren't from around here, are you? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But yeah, no. Um, I know that. I don't know, but as I recall, there was a group of Hutterites that got in trouble because they had killed a grizzly bear, and like tried to bury it. But I had a collar on. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just a poaching charge, right? So not, which I don't think is a, there's jail time for poaching, I believe, right? Um, Yeah, there is. If they can tag the charge onto a single person, I believe. <laughs> but a group of uh, Hooterites. Uh... Yeah. You gotta... <laughs> uh, it's the perfect crime. 
I'm, I'm searching Google right now because I can't get out of my head. I, I, <laughs> we, got, we got to know the facts here. So while we're uh, we're looking up that important poaching information about the <laughs> rights, uh, we're, we'll bring up the PSC, another common topic on this cast. It's early to file, but three candidates are looking for the District 4 spot, so there's going to be heavy competition around Missoula for that. And I'm surprised that the uh, Bob Lake, he's termed out, he's from Ravalli County, um, that we elected a Bob Lake from Ravalli instead of somebody from Missoula, which seems like the obvious option for the the biggest city in District 4, that you would have the biggest say in that, but uh, I guess not. So there'll be an upturn in the PSC coming up. Hmm. Oh, geez. I wonder if this guy will end up getting on the uh, blog more. Well, hopefully. Day one. Give me the, that login. We got a, bl- a podcast to take down. <laughs> yeah, we have been somewhat critical of the PSC in the past. so I, I wouldn't say critical as much as we have just like, really, we, we tagged them on the one thing that they do that's really just silly, I guess. Or, or the things they don't do, which is um, regulating the monopoly that they do pretty sillily, which they see. Once again, they don't represent you and me. They represent... <laughs> They regulate the monopoly. That's their job. There's a different agency to represent you. But 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 we don't talk about that agency. Um, I've nobody has ever heard of that agency. It, it, I see. I I looked them up and I believe they have the um the clout of the Better Business Bureau behind them. So they're oh <laughs> one of those types. Okay. Uh, yeah. I wonder if we can pay them to take down bad reviews. <laughs> Oh, geez, isn't more? Isn't that like a badge of honor if you get a bad review on your better business? Someone went through the steps to get that put up. Yeah, and so, then you can anyway. submit. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of uh, <laughs> badges of honor, Citizens United. It's uh, Oh, I love Citizens United. I don't know what the heck it is, to be honest with you, Jim, but I always... This is, this is like the... Uh, uh, like the Darth Vader to the AARP, isn't it? Citizens United is complex. Very complex. Um, or maybe I shouldn't say complex, but it's very... A lot of people really misunderstand it. Citizens United, of course, being a Supreme Court decision that did not say that corporations are people. It, it didn't say that. It reasserted the right that putting money towards a non-regulated political activity was a form of free speech, which, of course, includes corporations who who can do that. Oh, so, bribery. Yes, okay. so this ties into Hillary as well. So we, we should be checking all the boxes here. So oh. <laughs> Citizens United is an actual corporation, and it, and it wasn't new. It's been around since the late 80s, 88. Existed long before the court decision, but this was about a Hillary movie, about uh, a movie exposing Hillary. Um, I believe during the Obama era, so 2008, 8-ish around there, they were opposing Hillary. And they wanted to air an anti-Hillary movie right before the election. However, McCain-Feingold, two familiar names, there was an, they got together and did an act of 2002 which prevented PACs and super PACs from participating in electioneering within 30 days of an election or 60 days of a general election excuse me 30 days of a primary or 60 days of a general now citizens united wanted to release this video right before the general the primaries for maximum effect on um on everyone 
and they took it to the Supreme Court to say that since you are, you cannot exclude it on a time frame, and basically the McCain-Feingold Act was sort of a problem that, or was sort of a solution looking for a problem at the time. It did put time limits on when you could do actual electioneering activities, which is advocating or demonizing a particular candidate. But before that, most people steered away from it because the terms were kind of vague. So by saying that you can't do this activity within 30 days of a primary, they said that you can do this at any other time, which gave the rise of PACs and Super PACs, which existed before the McCain-Feingold Act of 2002, but were not the force they were today because they were in sort of a gray area of legality. Uh, I know, this okay. is, Citizens United is complex. <laughs> and I went yeah, down I, a number of rabbit holes. They and, have a .org website here I'm looking at, and man, this is uh, just just like the design structure that they have here is uh, something else. It's, is it GeoCities circa 1998 or... Um, no, not that bad, but like it could use a like a touch up. I I feel at least, but um, I mean either way, this is definitely like uh, they they definitely swing a certain way here, you know. Well, they're making anti-Hillary videos in two thousand eight, so yeah, you can stop Pelosi, uh, Trump agenda, Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty. <laughs> Oh, they they got Phil in there. That's of course. He's not going to sign up for the AARP. Oh, oh, no, they're. I've been told by a more than one person that they that there is a conservative alternative to the AARP that's less socialist. And yeah, I heard they're anti-gun over at the AARP. Are they? All I could think is like, were they? Well, they're. I mean, they're not a gun club, <laughs> so you could get like a discounted Denny's. Uh, do, <laughs> Can you get a can you get a discount at North Forty? I, w- I would like to submit my AARP card for ten percent off my AR. But I mean, I as- assume that you can still. But I, that's the thing; those places just are all about getting you the deals where they can get them in, and they don't care because they just want to get the deals. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, back to the subject matter of Citizens United decision. Um, when it went to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court was not hearing arguments relating to corporations being people, but instead was hearing an argument relating to the restriction of free speech at, within a time frame of an election. So the court decision, of course, overturned that 30 to 60 day ban, said it was unconstitutional. It also made some accounting changes, which don't really make obstacles. Um, corporations previously were not able to donate to PACs out of their general fund. So now it can't be out of their general fund. Um, it has to be out of some other fund. So uh, what's that? Two clicks on for an accountant to <laughs> move your funds yeah. to not general fund and, and send it that way? I mean, the, the outrage on Citizen United is something I, I haven't really understand. When you say, when you put it as simply as corporations aren't people, that makes sense to pretty much everybody. Nobody would say that corporations should be able to vote or or should have rights that are exclusive to people. Uh, most people wouldn't anyway. But that's not what actually happened here. So I think they're diluting their arguments with these other things that aren't going to work. So Yeah. 
Well, this oh, that's going to be interesting to see. I wonder if we'll be able to end Citizens United. I doubt it. Well, now the, you know, something of, ah, I said we weren't going to talk about previous casts on future casts, but something that I, I have said before, this, it's sort of been, the can has been opened pretty much. And now simply overturning Citizens United will not undo the effects of Citizens United or the Feingold McCain Act of 2002 that it's, it's been opened up similar to the um, assault weapons ban put in by the Clintons in the, uh, the nineties, which, you know, maybe was also a solution looking for a problem. And granted they, that was still an issue back then, but once that act expired, of course, everybody wants an AR at that point. Your, your rights are no longer being oppressed. It brought attention on this issue. And if you look at the figures of assault weapons sales, you know, before there was the assault weapons ban and after, we did more than make up for those 10 years when we didn't, couldn't buy assault weapons. So it opened up a can of worms, basically, and that leads us to today. So even putting in an assault weapons ban today, I, I don't think we'll have the effect we want. It's amazing what government does. Oh, man, what a day. Yeah, but maybe back to our Citizens United. It's a good time to talk about electioneering in general and the subject of blogs and, and how they are relevant or not relevant to you know, what we're doing today, and there's one publication that I, you know, I'm not sure if we could really call it out, we had brought attention to this, uh, sort of a blog that kind of suggests it's a news source, the E-City Beat out of Great Falls. Sort of gone, well, they're obviously very conservative, they're far right, but they've, I think, taken a few steps that a lot of other blogs haven't, in that a blog typically is very obvious about which side it's leaning on. First of all, ECDB, I think, tries to obscure that. And I also think they um, are advocating for a Pacific candidate who also writes for them, who is now your uh, commissioner over there, Bryce. Yeah, I see that. I also just noticed it's been a while since I've been on this website. I haven't been here too often lately, but I they have at the top here a disclaimer page, and I want to go to that. I'm hit with a 404. Oh, so you can't even see the disclaimer? Or- like it's uh, it's pretty secret there. Well, uh, I've read the disclaimer before. I think it was pretty average language that says that opinions there are not opinions of any office or anything, which is important because one of their writers is uh, Rick Tryon, who is your uh, he was a former contributor, and I wrote former when we wrote the sort of script for this cast, but he's still contributing, and I'm seeing a lot of articles pop up for the. ECB staff, so it's written by their staff, or who could say whom, that are usually pretty obvious the points they're trying to make that are, you know, pro-Rick or anti his opponents on the commission. Yeah, let's see, his and then, of last course, he, one, he posts January it on his blog. 30th, and then E-City Beat started posting on January 14th, 2020 is the first one that they have. So, like, that would be after well, yeah, there, got elected? I think there were some before then, but I've seen it a lot more frequently when it's obvious I mean, that it's I'm, something that's pro-Rick. Unless they've deleted posts pr- prior to that, but, like, I just went and clicked on the uh, page that just shows you all most recent articles. Uh, it's most recent, so maybe there's more that it's not showing then. I mean, well, it's... That's pretty underhanded of them not to show all of their content, though. 
Yeah, and not show you whom is writing it. And usually these ECB ones are, it's like two paragraphs. And of course it was written by one person. Why would you, you know, put a committee to write two paragraphs of not content? I think one of the ones that sort of popped this up, um, it was talking about Whitney when Williams. I think of staff. And then for some reason, Bernie Sanders, because he's in Montana, you know. When I think of staff, I, I, I imagine there's two people hitting the keyboard at once here. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody gets the A, somebody gets the L. That's uh, new guy. You're in charge of the uh, the space bar. Well, it's it's not without precedent, but usually it's been used by large media outlets. Like um, you'll see something in the uh, the I don't know. Does the Billings Tribune still publish? Are they still a paper over there? It's, I've got. Um, uh, yeah, I think if they made the lease payment this month, yeah, has, the, has Northwestern Energy cut them off yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer winter. Northwestern Energy can shut you off. I will off. say, uh, E-City Beat, though, I w- we have to commend them on that in today's uh, cutthroat industry, I guess, for reporting and journalism in general. They're doing pretty good compared to the local Tribune. And then I, I would assume the Missoulians probably in the same boat. Is not in- not a good boat to yeah. be in. It's, 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 it's got some holes in it. Paper news just is not what people are after these days and paper news refuses to get with any sort of modern times they expect you to one pay a subscription fee for an online content and two still to shove ads down your throat while you do it and that model is not working for them so independent journalism i guess the future is the e-city beat and uh the electric over there but i've i've looked through the electric to see because i kind of wanted to get some history on whether the e-city beat sprung up i forgot about that one because, I always mix up with you. Yeah, well, The Electric, I think, tries to make an honest attempt to report actual news and actual events without a bias. So I had looked back and read a number of their articles and looked through things The Electric have posted since they even founded, as far back as I could look. And I just wasn't seeing a bias that, you know, would necessitate somebody differently completely to write a blog on the other side of the aisle, so to speak. Other than to tout their own horns, I'm not sure why the ECD beat exists. Other than it's very cheap to set up a website. Just looking at just what their even ads are here on the sides of each of these. This is terrible. We're just doing like a cross comparison of local news websites. But you know what? This is what people really want out of Montana Voices, I'd say. Uh, Kay's Auto Sales uh, is on E-City Beats compared to uh, the electric. We have Ozog Eye Care. So those are two like, you know, well, I assume they're just not, Google ads, so they don't... Not necessarily, though, because I see on here contribute slash advertise. Oh, contributor as well. So, Well, contribute as they give them funds for being there. Yeah, let's see, so, support the electric. Yeah. So you can support either of them directly, though. I assume the ECDB will accept your money. ECD has a, a link to advertise on them directly, but I I would think that a lot of their ads are... Oh, look, so does the... Uh, yeah, no, the electric has this as well. The electric has got a drop-down here. <laughs> Four different options here. You can get up to 50 monthly. Whoa, that's... Uh, a... So, yeah. <laughs> is... Hands out front there. <laughs> We're, we're going to have to compare. How much does a newspaper cost nowadays? This is your operation cost for like the next year, the electric. You guys are a little over the top. And we too should start a subscription or a Patreon. You can we get should. A, get the inside track for Montana Voices yeah, for you know, low price. Coming soon, a drop down on the side of our website. You can pay us $50 a month. 
Speaking and, of websites that need to be updated, that's been on our back burner for some time. So yeah, you know, it, it, we'll put that on the agenda, and then in that, we'll have a drop down, and you can give us fifty dollars. Ooh, you know, it'd be even better. No one would see this coming. We can have options. You can give monthly to either E City or to the Electric. A good comparison. Give ten dollars, and then five dollars will go to each one. That that reminds me of a uh, you know a tip. Tip jars usually that'll say cats or dogs and be a voting thing with dollars. So <laughs> whatever reminds me of that. Exactly. So on the subject of blogs, I was sort of getting the feeling, and maybe at least in Montana, that they were sort of on the decline. We saw a lot of blog activity about you know ten year, five ten years ago with the Montana Cowgirl blog. I don't know if you remember that one, but they were they were hard left, and so I can see there be a oh yeah I remember that one. They were hard left. Well, it's sort of suspected that they were run by two people from the Schweitzer's office. But now that Schweitzer is no longer up for re-election or will not be running, that uh, the blog has changed hands and the, the website is dead. And they, they don't even have any new content on Twitter. Really? Ooh, yeah. I searched them on Google here. And uh, second thing is an article from 2010, Montana Cowgirl blog under fire from other liberals. It's like, that's a terrible thing. Oh, Liberals infighting, it's what they do best. Uh, I don't know if you caught up with this Iowa debacle, uh, or Montana, as we call it. Yeah, they. Uh, it seemed like they lost all of their steam when, uh, and ended up electing Gianforte after he threw that dude. Yeah, I, I can, being thrown does take the steam out of you. So, yeah, because they, they really hedged like all their bets on that guy being a terrible person and the state said, that's all right, we're taking them. And they said, okay, we're logging out. So it most likely was run by two people within Schweitzer's office. Uh, evidence that suggests that is the IPs were traced to the Capital Guest Network, and there is logs to confirm that these devices were on that guest network all day long from you know, 8-ish to 5-ish. Suggests that it's somebody that works there. And uh, somebody even, I can't definitely confirm this, so we're going to go without their names, um, suggested that they, uh, one of the Schweitzer's aides was tweeting during a, uh, a secluded meeting, and it turns out that they, uh, Montana Cowgirl was tweeting that inside information at the same time. So, of course, can't <laughs> prove that. <laughs> or at least I can't. Somebody else will probably chime in on that. Ah. There's no good segue to con to move over to the CSKT compact bill, the water compact issue. Infighting, speaking of, Danes and Olzinski, both, uh, or excuse me, Olzinski is asking Danes to withdraw CSKT support, which um, he has supported along with Tester, one of their bipartisan thing. Um, and it, just a quick rundown of it gives us tribes water rights outside the reservation in exchange for return of the bison range. And some repair funds that the federal government has neglected. That I think it's 1.9 billion, which is a decent amount of money that hasn't been paid to the tribes as agreed per federal treaty. Interesting that there has to be a new legislation to get that money out of them. Yeah, uh, that's pretty sick that they have to like give that up in order to get the bison back, since you know we took it from them. I, I don't understand the opposition to this. Because the Hellgate Treaty of I think it was 1855 gives the tribe basically conservation and fishing rights. Essentially, it, it it's kind of the wording is weird. It says fishing. It also ties into conservation of 
land they historically had used or waterways they historically had used, which is a large part of the strait. I mean, being somewhat nomadic, obviously it's going to be a large part of it. And the tribe has used that to oppose mining operations, oppose drilling and other things on lands outside of the reservation um, because they were their historical waterways and important to, of course, water is complex. It's not just the one area you're thinking of. Water flows, you know. Yeah, you got to drink it too. Yeah, that's that's important. Yeah. So Olzinski argues that the language in the Hellgate Treaty does not apply to water rights. Uh, I believe he was suggesting that it only applies to fisheries to protect fish, which an argument that you know doesn't make much sense to me. And I, I don't know. It just feels like he's sort of trying to oppose Danes on this to sort of get his name out there. Uh, last I checked, he was not going to be the front runner in this. Yeah, who who is this guy again? <laughs> Uh, he wants to be your governor. Oh. Oh, you may have to um, Google that. I, I, I can't do oh these. God. Like, wait. But I, off I, to the big thing, Gianforte is uncommitted either way on this. He is still investigating this because he hasn't had time to read the Treaty of 1855. Ah. So I'm sure he'll get back to that. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's on his Kindle list. Well, let's uh, let's get on to some native news here. Uh, Columbia Falls continues to go out of their way to upset Browning, which is something they do about annually, it appears, and that they're pretty good at it. They're either not welcome in stores or there's parents uh, having derogatory terms, um, which was FTI, which is a term I had to Google. Uh, we try to keep this clean, Bryce. So <laughs> it's last part stands for the Indians. It's a pretty not clever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's, I can't believe this. It's I, I had to... I had to phone up a native to ask because I didn't know I'd never heard that term. And it, it felt very Columbia wrong doing it. I was like, is like this derogatory? The, what does it mean? Where's Columbia Falls at? Oh, Columbia Falls. It's the uh, other side of Browning from the park. Right by Kalispell, Whitefish. Oh, okay. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Those people. Okay. Yeah. You're talking about them. Ah. Ah. <laughs> So Columbia Falls. You know, there's there's different types of people within the state, and you know that 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 group up there just becomes very. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think the word. They're very um, white. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're very. They're particularly white, and some of them are particularly proud of it. I would say that like they're basic white, but you know they don't consume nearly as much white claw as the good folk down in Bozeman do. Bozeman is white, but I would hope that Bozeman being the literate area that it is doesn't have these issues. Uh, Bozeman's got quite a big, or not quite a big, but it's still got a, uh, you know, a migrant population there. Yeah, you ship I, them to Missoula. That's yeah, well, yeah be standard maybe, for the state. Hey, maybe Great Falls even soon, you know. I hear that uh, that that could be in the works. Sort of backtrack. The incident that happened this year is the Columbia Falls announcer called him the Browning Lazy Indians instead of the Browning Lady Indians. A sleight of tongue, but he gets fired over this so the district can save some face on it. It just seems like a slight of word, but obviously that was on his mind. And then there was the issue last year uh, over FTI, and then the year before they you know, got kicked out of the uh, was Woody's Country Store, which is between Columbia Falls and Kalispell. The uh, Brown and Cost Country team seemed to have some racial undertones in doing that. Or the Woody's Country Store did. Yeah. 
even worse uh, native news, uh, Selena has been found, and not far from where she went missing at. Of course, uh, dead due to the elements is what they're saying right now. Yeah, it was very weird, the um, outcome of this stuff, just because the sheriff was so quick to come out and say no foul play, and then the prosecutor jumped right back and demanded all evidence. They don't do very often like that. Because, you know, usually they're on the same side with these people, you know. Yeah, usually pretty much in cahoots. I mean, that makes sense, but not in in this case. The Bighorn County Sheriff is Lawrence Big Hair, and I've read a number of articles on the subject, including some that indicate that he was related to Selena and that he was also the one that found her body. Unfortunate. So I'm, maybe he's just quick to get this under wraps. I mean, it's obviously a hard time for the family and and the reservation in the area and maybe just wants it to be over with. But as far as very quickly, you know, saying there's no foul play, I mean, that's, you know, too quick to say. It was the day she was found that he came out with that statement. And if you watch the videos of him, he's obviously emotional while he's doing it. And to be very quick to just sort of seemingly sweeping under the rug, I mean, how often you don't even get results that quick for a traffic stop. Yeah. And uh, we, of course, do have to talk about Big Hair. He was charged with bribery and assault in 08, and those charges were dropped, um, despite what I thought was compelling evidence to the contrary. Looks like he was a casino commissioner as well. Or no, this was his kid, Big Hair Jr. Well, there are some people that are suggesting that he was a nefarious actor, despite you know being related to the victim, and we're going to... In the sense of decency, you know, stop far short of that. At the very least, I think the the end part was was mishandled. I think we have to look at some other issues here to as which uh, I, mean, I think there are some people directly liable. There are people that uh, the story was the van broke down. They stopped at the rest area, and when they had fixed the van and were ready to carry on, that she was nowhere to be found. So there, I, I think, should be some liability there. I mean, this is a sixteen-year-old girl. Um, a minor that you're drinking and partying with, it sounds like. But also, as an adult, you should have some responsibility over that. Yeah. But there's been no other reports on you know, who these other characters were, what those exact circumstances are, but a, a sad story all the way around, I think. It is. We're not going to end it on that, were we? Uh, no, you know, no. Let's, let's end on a high note here. Yeah, let's end it on a high note. I registered a car this week. I couldn't do it online. Apparently in Missoula, you can only do that for dealer assigned titles. So if you buy a car from a dealer, you can actually do your registration online. That was coming to Montana. It was promised. And it looks like the website set up for it, and it's here. So It's excellent. Yeah, but apparently it occurred to me, and I didn't plan for this or anything. I mean, I uh, I found another classic, so to speak and was quick to jump on it, so I didn't plan the timing. But it occurs to me that before tax return time is probably a lull in DMV traffic and the best time to register your vehicle or do any DMV business. When's the due date for taxes? Uh, 31st, I think? Uh, of April, I believe. Oh. Like in April. Well, yeah, you got a good few months to get in there if you got DMV business, I think. Yeah. You know, and on top of that, if you... Well, is this for driver's license, too, or is it just for registry? Just for registration. Okay. But driver's license is you only have to do once every 10 years or... Well, yeah, I was saying if it's driver's license, it is almost uh, the cutoff date there for that real ID stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, I do have an appointment uh, later this month to do that, so... I got to go find all my stuff, all my, all my documents. I haven't even looked at what documents you need. 
basically everything that says that we were born here and not somewhere else. Oh, and geez. so I'm a little nervous about that because, like, what if they look forged? Is, is ice going to show up and pull me out? So I lucked out with the, That's a good point. I How particular they have to be. I very much lucked out. There apparently was a mark on my title by the notary. Um, he first wrote one and then wrote eight over it. And so I actually ended up having to go twice because I was lucky to track down the notary a block up at the UPS store. And... He still worked there after 10 years. <laughs> so lucked out there, but that's yeah. how particular they are. I'm wondering if they're going to raise a kerfluffle if your birth certificate was signed incorrectly because I think I signed mine when I was six. Yeah, it's hard to say for sure. Well, uh, I hope to be on a plane at some point in the future. So, um, But you could not get the ID by getting a passport, as I understand. So, Yeah, you know, passport instead, which then allows you to leave the country altogether if you'd like, if you want to go to Canada or... Yeah, I don't know uh, why you'd want you know, to go to Canada. United Kingdom or regular kingdom. Actually, is yeah, it still United? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna make that same same joke there, Bryce. <laughs> no, no I don't think yeah. they are. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's genuine. Uh, you know, innocent question. Now it's not really uh, making fun of it. It's just really what's the state over there? Yeah. I'm curious now. Uh, we, we've we've discussed Montana. Now we got to. <laughs> this is Montana voices. Checking in across the pond. Yeah, my goodness. We, uh, you know, try to avoid national issues a lot of the time here to stay local, but now we're... We can go globalist. We're, we're getting unhinged here, Bryce. Well, looks like they Brexited. Well, yes. Uh, you know, something I don't fully understand. Um, I but suppose we'll have to I don't have to. And, yeah. I don't know. I think this will be an issue when people, like, finally decide they need to, like, travel to another part of what used to be the countryside for them or... All the current goods and services are gone. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, ouch. Britain to allow Huawei and 5G networks. Bad move. <laughs> well, maybe they're disagreeing because that was a uh, sort of a Trump stance that Huawei was the root of all evil. Yeah. It's, uh... But if you're on cell service in Montana, there's a good chance, uh, particularly rural Montana, there's a good chance you're on Huawei gear. So those uh, darn red Chinese could be listing in on you. Potentially, Supposedly. but it's hard to say. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, about as good as it's going to get. So why don't we run through the business and wrap up episode 32 of Montana Voices Podcast. If you're on our website right now, if not, either way, you can find all of our information on our website at montanavoicespodcast.com. You can reach us for any kind of questions, comments, concerns, or if you'd like to be on the cast at our email address, which is going to be montanavoices at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is going to be at Montana underscore voices. Our Facebook account is Mon at Montana voices podcast. And you can find all of our uh, videos on YouTube with the greatest B-roll footage you'll find for any Montana based podcast by searching Montana voices podcast. 